Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Post Position Podcast, a Painted Lines podcast. Uh, I'm your first host, Harrison Grimm here. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Harrison E. Grimm. That's Grimm with uh, two M's. And with me is my co-host, Jack Connell. Jack, what's up, man? Yes, it is. I'm I'm excited to be doing um, a podcast about um, just general NBA topics because a lot of my work has revolved around the Sixers in Philadelphia. But um, this season especially, it seems like there's a lot of great topics out there, a lot of great storylines to cover. So we decided to start up this, and I can't be more excited about it. So for this episode today, we have shocking storylines as our main topic. Um, and let's start off. Let's start off on a depressing note. Let's talk about uh, some of the more disappointing teams thus far uh, into the NBA season. Uh, Jack, why don't you give me uh, one of yours? Yeah, you know, that that's definitely probably the first team that comes to mind for me too. Um and and it's one of those situations where like, you know, you always go into a season and like in your head you're like, man, that team's going to be really good or like, man, that team's going to be really bad. And that was one of those teams where it didn't really strike me until like now when they're I think their record's 1 and 4 if I'm not mistaken. Um where like yeah, you you look at that team and like, yeah, you still have Steph Curry, who's arguably the best point guard in the league. Um, they still have Klay Thompson, although he's going to be out the entire year. You have a defensive player of the year candidate in Draymond Green. And you're also adding an all-star in D'Angelo Russell. But I think what happened was a lot of people saw all, all those major pieces. Um, and they didn't really look at the rest of the roster. And the best way to put the rest of the roster is it's thrown together at best. Um, their best player probably. It's honestly a G League bench outside of, um, you know, they have, they have two solid pieces. Willie Colley Stein put together a good campaign last year. Uh, Kavon Looney, really tough, um, good role player. But but outside of that, you're basically running a G League team. I mean, uh, Fantasy Labs always puts out, like, the starting fives before each game. And they even said, like, the Santa Cruz Warriors are starting tonight because that that's really what that lineup is um, outside of that. And a lot of that has to do with just um, how, how the salary cap works. You know, they, they gave D'Angelo Russell a max deal and – they can't really spend much money outside of that. Um, and the Warriors now find themselves in a tough spot. Like, where do where do they go from here? Do you trade away D'Angelo Russell and try and build cap space to actually put a bench together? I think that's the way I would go. 
But I'm sure that's that's a question that Bob Myers and, and the rest of the Warrior staff are are asking themselves right now. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think that's something that is going to eventually come because I think ultimately what's going to end up happening is they're just going to end up shutting down uh, Steph and Draymond. And wh- whether it's for an official reason or official injury or, or not, I think that it's ultimately just going to come to that. And they're ultimately just going to tank and try and get a top three pick. And who knows, maybe like a lot of people compare this situation to um, – the Spurs back in 98, I believe it was, when they had David Robinson and a bunch of win-now pieces, but everyone everyone was just not healthy. They ultimately won the lottery, and then they got Tim Duncan, and the rest is history. Um, so maybe that I think that's what they're banking on, a situation like that to happen, and I think that's the best thing to happen for them. Um, I think I think you got to move D'Angelo Russell. I I don't see a situation where, where you keep him long term. Um, I just think the fit's awkward. I mean, here's the thing. Clay Thompson's gonna ultimately come back and he's gonna still be a good player. Um a torn ACL is a serious injury. I think his defense will fall off because of that, but he's ultimately an elite shooter, and elite shooters last in, in this league. Um and I think they're just gonna end up moving D'Angelo Russell for let's say an expiring deal and maybe two draft picks because D'Angelo Russell has a ton of value in the NBA and a team like the Orlando Magic per se would definitely be interested in acquiring someone like him. Mm-hmm. yeah for sure it's going to be interesting to see how that situation plays out it's going to end up being one of the more uh underrated storylines i feel like with with this season um another team that i had on my list in terms of most disappointing teams was actually the new orleans pelicans and i know that there's hesitation with me saying that but the Pelicans, there's without a doubt that they were trying to be competitive this season. You don't add J.J. Redick, uh, Derek Favors, and and other veterans if you're trying to tank. Um, and I get Zion's hurt, and that's really unfortunate. He's still going to be out for a good amount of time. Um, but, but this roster is just not good. And maybe it's on Alvin Gentry putting together poor rotations. Like, I watched especially the... Um, season opener where where they faced off against the Raptors. And I believe there was like a 12 plus minute period 
where Gentry had Lonzo Ball and JJ Redick on the bench. And like that is just such a long time to keep a player off the floor and then expect them to come back and hit shots. And may- maybe there's fault with that, but ultimately I'm just disappointed with this roster. They're they're one in five right now. I just checked the standing. Um and I'm not saying that they, they should have a positive record, especially out west, but I feel like they're better than one in five. Yeah, but but the question arises then, like, how long can you go with not performing well and just turning it on in the Western Conference? Because this is one of the most competitive Western Conferences we've seen in a while. The Mavs look like an improved team. The Phoenix Suns are somehow good this year. Like, there's a lot of teams on the rise, and the room for error is getting smaller. Yes. I'm really glad you robbed this team because I'm I'm just frustrated with this team and it, it's so sad because last last season you saw a flash of potential. De'Aaron Fox put together an incredible sophomore season. He took a big leap, really no one expected him to take, in only his second year. Uh, Buddy Heald as well, phenomenal player. Um, the the Kings just frustrate me because they have a lot of pieces that I like. I love De'Aaron Fox. I love Buddy Heald as players. I, I think Marvin Bagley, while he's not Luka Doncic or even Trey Young, I think he's still a good, really good starter in today's NBA. There's a lot to like about this team, and they added good bench pieces with Trevor Ariza, uh, Corey Joseph, um, even Dwayne Dedman is a good add. And it's just frustrating to me that it, it seems like the Kings just can't get it right with, with one thing. And and that one thing I really feel like is Luke Walton. I don't think he's a good coach in the NBA. Um, really, he, he built his stock um, 
when when he was uh, being an intern coach for for the Warriors when Steve Kerr was out, I believe, with a bad back, and the Warriors went undefeated that time, and that's when you know heads turned like, wow, maybe this Luke Wallen guy can coach. Um, really didn't do anything with the Lakers. Obviously, he was a main reason why the Lakers met why the Lakers missed the playoffs. You can also blame it on injuries, LeBron, whatever else, but ultimately it does come down to him. And then the Kings fire a great head coach in um, Dave Yeager. I I was a big fan of that ad, and they fired him just basically because of a front office feud, or I forget the specific details. I know it was a front office feud. It, it just drives me crazy um, that that they're in this situation. And they have the pieces to win. Even even in the West, I believe that, you know, coming – I believe that coming into this season – and, you know, they still have time to turn it on, obviously. But um, I believe, like, man, they have a serious chance at getting a playoff spot, probably in, in, the, in the lower eight or seven area. But I really believe that – they could compete and now I'm not so sure. And that's not really due to a player's fault. I wouldn't even blame injuries. I really think a lot of this just goes on Luke Walton and and they're definitely disappointing in that aspect. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so now let's uh, uplift the mood a little bit uh, to this. I want to talk about um, most impressive teams thus far. Um, And I feel like I got to kick this off with the only undefeated team in the NBA, the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm really impressed with them because, I mean, while I am close to Philadelphia and while I am a homer at heart, I wasn't really sure about this team going into the season. Like on paper, it looks good, you know. Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Joel Embiid. Like, those are all really big-name players. Those are all good players. But I just wasn't sure about the fit uh, specifically with Al Horford, Joel Embiid, and Tobias Harris just being on on the court at the same time. I believe Tobias is a four at heart. I believe Al's more of a five than a four. But thus far, for the most part, they've really proved me wrong in that area. Um, The offense has looked clunky at times with them. Um, but I will say having Al Horford around on this team, especially for Joel had an ankle sprain already, obviously now he's serving a two game suspension, having Al Horford around on this team with Ben Simmons is incredibly beneficial to this team. And it's really, it's actually really impressive. I didn't expect the impact to be felt that much, especially early on.
Yeah. No, you're good. Um, He's really impressed me because, you know, he was someone that I had on my draft boards pretty high. I had I had someone like Cameron Johnson over him. Um, but I just didn't think with Thibault um, that his impact would be felt to this extent that he's produced that. He's leading uh, the league in steals right now. I believe it's 2.8 a game. And while that is impressive alone, he's doing it in limited time. Um, and, and the defensive potential with him is off the charts and it's, it's really impressive and credit to Elton brand, um, and the scouting department for, for hitting on this pick. Um, Thibel looks like he has incredible potential defensively offensively. I'm not really sure he's ever going to be a consistent threat, but obviously that's, that's just not what you're signing up for with him. Uh, he's been very impressive. Even the Sixers bench has been more impressive in in my eyes. James Ennis is coming on as of late. Mike Scott's been pretty solid. Um, And they even showed flashes the other night with Howell Neto coming in for six minutes and helping them come back against Portland and winning a pretty intense game. Yeah, that was a team where going into the season, I was like, this is kind of a weird team because like you got a mix of young talent. You got some veterans on some not so team friendly deals um, like James Johnson, for instance. Um, I thought it was going to be a weird team, but it's actually been a really competitive and fun team to watch. If you ever watch them on TV Uh, right now, as I'm recording this, I I actually have that game pulled up beside me. It's 71, uh, 39 heat. So They've put together some really good performances, and, and there's a lot to like about this team. Eric Spolster is a great coach. Obviously, we've seen Jimmy Butler is a all-star. He's a great player. Uh, Tyler Hero might be rookie of the year. We'll get into that later um, in this episode. Uh, there's just a lot of pieces and a lot of things to like about this team, and I think that they are starting off a bit hot thus far. I think they are going to cool off a little bit. But I do think they're going to be in the upper tier in terms of Eastern Conference uh, seeding. It, it it's hard putting together words because I've never been so wrong about a young prospect like obviously you're not going to hit on 100% of your takes but I was 100% off with Trey Young um he's really good um I still want to see his shooting on a more consistent basis but I I think he will get to that point he's a phenomenal passer um and and the Hawks have just done such a good job surrounding the team with young talent they've really rebuilt 
a lot in such a short time. I love uh, Kevin Huerta. Um, Cam Reddish, where they got him, was a good good pick, even though I'm not sure how he's going to be long-term as a player. But if he falls to you at, I believe it was 10, you you got to take him. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is an interesting 3 and D guy. That's a, you know, that's what you got to put around Trey Young and Kevin Werder. Um, they've been a really fun team thus far. Um, I, I do think they can sneak into the playoffs. I think they're probably going to be in the eight to maybe six range in the, in the seating, especially because Trey Young's now out with injury uh, and they've dropped a few games, but that that's an incredibly fun team to watch. Um, and in the front, Yeah, I, I mean, I think you you see that with like a a high shooting backcourt uh, with with Kevin Huerta and Trey Young. Obviously, they're both really good shooters. Um, the difference between those two, then between Golden State and the Atlanta Hawks, is you're not getting much defense out of that backcourt. Kevin Huerta is an average defender at best. He has good size, uh, but he's not going to be someone locking up someone. And Trey Young is just so small that you know you're not getting defense out of him. That's not why he's on the court. And that's why adding guys like DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, and DeAndre Bembry, you know, all wings that are capable of defending are so important to this team. And that's ultimately what's going to make or break this team, in my opinion. Um, so, actually, no. I, I got to add one more team to, the, to this uh, most impressive list. And that's the Phoenix Suns. Um, wow. With... Like, if you told me what what's their what's their standings right now? Let me look. They're four and two right now. If you told me that the Phoenix Suns were going to be four and two without uh, DeAndre Aiden for I believe all but one of those games, I wouldn't believe you. That's crazy. Yeah, and, and that's going to be interesting to see. Um, this might just be a fluke hot start. Devin Booker's been great. Ricky Rubio's been a really good ad, a shockingly good ad. It's amazing what happens when, when you add a point guard to your NBA roster. But it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that if they do cool off and completely fall out of the playoff race, which a lot of people expected them to, especially with DeAndre Ayton out. Uh, does Aaron Baines become a buyout candidate for someone like the LA Clippers who really need a big body, especially if they're going to go up against uh, contenders like the LA Lakers, the Sixers? Um, is that a possibility? And that's going to be an interesting part to look at. But talking about right now, um, they have a lot to like. Uh, obviously, they're loaded with wings. Kelly Oubre has been really solid. Uh, they just added Cam Johnson, who looks like he'll be a good pick. I hesitate saying that just based on where they chose him, but he looks like a good player. Mikhail Bridges is obviously a good player too. Um, Dario Saric has been good. Um, and yeah, they're, they're a fun team and they're definitely one of the most shocking storylines period for me in my eyes. They play, yeah, uh, Monday at 9 p.m.
Yeah, for sure. And obviously, we we didn't even mention Devin Booker, but you know he's a phenomenal scorer, one of up there with one of the best in the league. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with the Suns. Uh, so let's do a quick run through of front runners for the awards. Obviously, it's been a small sample size; a lot can change between now um, and the end of the season. But uh, let's just start off with let's do Rookie of the Year. You go first. Tell me yours. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I think RJ Barrett's definitely a lock for like all NBA first team, just because the Knicks are, are they're going to be bad. Um, and obviously RJ Barrett's going to be, I'm not sure if I would go as far as the first option, but he's going to be up there in terms of offensive focal points. Uh, so I think RJ Barrett's definitely a lock for like all NBA first team, barring any major injury or, or setback. Um, Kendrick Nunn's someone that is interesting. Everyone's like, wow, he's about to be the first undrafted rookie of the year um the reason i don't see that happening is i've thought that well obviously he's he's sharing a team with fellow rookie tyler hero who's been getting a lot of coverage um and i think that plays into it i also think that um there's there's also been more more impressive areas um or more impressive players rather um in in this debate uh, Matisse Thibault. I'm not, wait. I'm not going to say Matisse Thibault's winning Rookie of the Year. I'm just mentioning names right now. Uh, Matisse Thibault's won. Uh, DeAndre Hunter has shown some flashes. Um, and and a big question about the Rookie of the Year race is going to be when and if Zion Williamson returns because we've seen him through preseason and he can play. He can really really play. Um, and is it? Is it going to be a similar situation like what happened with Joel Embiid um, and Malcolm Brogdon where he was by far the best rookie in the class, but he only plays like 30 games? Uh, Is it going to be a similar situation like that? Um, We'll see. But in terms of Rookie of the Year nominees, John Morant's been really good. Um, He's someone that I think can get hot as the season goes on. He's shown some flashes. He went head-to-head with Kyrie Irving. Um, actually won that game too. He's someone that I could see tearing it up and possibly winning rookie of the year. Um, in terms of other players,
Yeah, Kendrick Nunn is is a weird case because the thing about him, and I, I did research on this because I was like, okay, how is there an undrafted rookie putting up like give or take twenty five points a game, and he's just getting attention now? Like, how how does that happen? And and what happened with him was he's got kind of a shady past in terms of um, law convention law convi- convictions. Um, along with other stuff. And, and that's why a lot of teams stayed clear of him. And he spent a year in the G league. Um, obviously the heat picked him up and now he's tearing it up. And it wasn't ever really a case of, is he talented enough to be in the NBA? It's, is he good in terms of personality to be sharing a locker room with, um, is he worth the potential PR nightmare, uh, depending on, you know, what, what he does off the court. Um, and, that, and I found that interesting. Um, but yeah, in terms of, in terms of uh, going back to the question at hand, uh, rookie of the year, I could see John Morant winning it. Zion, if he returns and plays 50 games, maybe. Um, and then a sleeper pick I'll throw in there. Uh, I mentioned Tyler Hero. But PJ Washington has been a really interesting player in the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, he's going to be good. Charlotte finally hit on one of those late lottery picks, I feel like. There's a lot to like about him. Great shooter, can switch on to multiple positions. So it's going to be fun watching him grow. Uh, Going to – let's just dive into MVP, actually, because this this is a tough one right now. And obviously the Sixers, record-wise, are the best team in the NBA right now. But I feel like I can't pick an MVP on that team because – Who's the best player on the Sixers? Joel Embiid. He's only played two of those games. And if the rest of the season goes on like that, I'm not sure he plays enough games to have a serious way on on MVP. So you look outside of that team, the Miami Heat, uh, Jimmy Butler, maybe. Uh, I think they're going to cool off, though. I think you're going to look at teams like the Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers rise up, and that's when I think you'll see Players like uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, maybe even Paul George hopping into that discussion of MVP. Uh, Who are some names that come to your mind for MVP, Jack?
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's really hard gauging something like that right now. But, you know, you just got to look at players that have come on hot um, as of late. Um, and, yeah. So, let's talk about most improved player. A name that immediately comes to mind for me uh, is Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and a lot of that has to do with just all the injuries they've had. Um, Victor Oladipo is obviously still out, but now they're missing Miles Turner for an extended stretch. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis went down with an injury. So Malcolm Brogdon has been a big focal point in their offense. Um, his shooting percentages have obviously gone down. That's what happens when you don't have Giannis feeding you the ball 24 seven, but at the same time, his averages in terms of points per game and especially assists have gone up. Um, and I think he's definitely someone that is a serious threat to win most improved player. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, out, out of those three that you mentioned, I think Carly Anthony Towns is definitely a serious uh, candidate if he can uh, keeps up this consistent uh, shooting stretch. He's been electric from three-point range. He's, without a doubt, probably the best shooter um, seven feet or higher in terms of height. Um, and he's a main reason why the Timberwolves have been good this good so far with a meh roster behind him with, you know, probably their second-best player is Robert Covington, and that's a diss towards Andrew Wiggins. But, um, you know, that says a lot about Carl Anthony Towns, and especially if this, if the Timberwolves can sneak into the playoffs, I seriously think um, he does get consideration for that award. Um, let's dive into this – is, this is one of the harder awards to predict, uh, six-man of the year. Uh, I'm going to cop out with my answer as an easy answer, Lou Williams. Um, I, I think the Clippers win a lot of games. <laughs> It just seems like he wins it every year, but like he deserves it. You know, he averages 20 off the bench in, in like 26 minutes. He's he's a walking bucket. Clippers are going to win a lot of games. I, I, I think he just wins it again by default. Oh, yeah, that's a good one.
I tweeted I tweeted about this the other day um where the Thunder are just the weirdest team in the NBA just in terms of collection of talent you got young talent you got some players that are kind of stuck there <laughs> Chris Paul um you know Danilo Gallinari it, it's just such a weird it's it's like a team that's half in rebuild mode and half trying to contend but just can't um Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a, just it's such a weird team. It's probably the weirdest team in the NBA if there's an award for that. Uh, but Shea has been probably the brightest spot for OKC fans. Um, I remember Woj said back when when they made that surprise Paul George trade, the Clippers really didn't want to include Shea Gilgis in that trade. But that's basically what made that trade happen. That was the moving point where they were like, "Fine, we'll we'll put him in." And he's been a phenomenal scorer, like really good scorer. I think that's where he's taking the biggest leap in his game. And I also think that OKC is using him as an offensive focal point because Chris Paul is a playmaker. He wants to be a playmaker, as we've seen in Houston. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a serious um, threat for mo- most improved player. Yeah. Uh, so let's wrap this up with uh, defensive player of the year. Who do you got? <laughs> mhm. Without a doubt. I, I think a real cop-out answer would be someone like Rudy Gobert. Like, I thought he deserved it his um first year that he won it. But the second year just felt like, all right, media got lazy towards the end of their ballot um, and just put him on it. Um, Yeah, th- those are all great answers. I think a team like the Sixers is a team that has a lot of defensive player of the year candidates. Ben Simmons, when he's engaged, is a phenomenal defender. Joel Embiid, again, the question will rest on how many games does he play. Um, Matisse Thibel, I'm not going to put him in the defensive player of the year discussion, but I think there's a chance that he makes um, an all-defensive team, especially if he keeps up his steal numbers. Uh, The name that comes to mind for me uh, for defensive player of the year was Giannis, who was in the discussion for it last year. But I I feel like him winning MVP really really hurt his chances at winning defensive player of the year because they felt like they can't give it to the same player you know um and i think this year he gets a lot more consideration for it you know he averages a high amount of blocks high amount of steals and that's someone that i can really see winning it
Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. There hasn't really been a front runner with with a defensive player of the year, at least in my mind yet. Um, I think I if you told me to give you a vote, I would probably say Giannis just based off of right now. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. So I believe that's all the time we have for today's episode. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in uh, to this. I'm excited to get this started, uh, especially with Jack. He's a great writer. Uh, you can find both of our works at The Painted Lines. Uh, we're both writers there. We both do NBA work, Sixers work. Jack is does a lot of Eagle stuff too. Once again, I'm Harrison Grimm. You can find me at Twitter at Harrison E. Grimm. You can find Jack's Twitter at Jack Connell. Connell spelled C-O-N-N-E-L-L-T-P-L. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for our next episode.